The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Random Pal. Howdy. And tonight we have a special guest with us, Jim Pal from Tabula Seno. Hello there. So I'm Jim. I am the creator and founder, lead evil genius behind Tabula Sono. I've been doing a, a lot of product development and all kinds of different things for lots of really big names and big companies. We thought it was time for a change. Um, so we found something that we were passionate about, and now we're all in. That's why I'm here. Talk about Tabula Sono. Awesome. All right, so tell us more about it. What's going on with Tabula Sono these days? Tabula Sono is an online virtual tabletop for any miniatures-based tabletop RPG. That's any of the big names, any of the smaller games, any of the less popular but still really awesome tabletop RPG games. Uh, we support all of those. And the idea is everybody just joins in from wherever they are, whatever device they have access to, and just start playing the game. So designed to be super simple, super easy out of the way. So there's a lot of options in the virtual tabletop space these days. There's obviously Roll20, there's a couple other big names, Foundry, Shard. So what sets Tabula Sono apart from the other existing options? First of all, don't get me wrong, I love all of those tools. Me and my team have used all of them, even ones that you didn't mention. And they all have really strong points as well as pain points and weaknesses. So we're taking advantage of that, um, and we're building Sono in a way that avoids a lot of those different pain points. I think one of the biggest ones is ease of access. We're in browser. Tabula Sono is in the browser, which means you get a link, you click it, and then you're immediately playing the game. So you don't have to install anything. You don't have to buy anything. You don't need like a crazy expensive gaming computer or rig and hardware. You don't need Steam. So we're just, we're trying to keep everything really easy to use and easy to access. But at the same time, we're also 3D. Um, and that is something that generally doesn't go together is 3D and the browser. It's really incredibly difficult and challenging, which is a good news for my team because that's where we thrive. We love building things that are difficult to build. And I think we do a pretty good job at it. And then I think those are kind of like feature-based answers to your question of what makes us different. But I think the idea behind why we're different is that we're trying to stay out of the way of the game and the storytelling. When we moved all our games online because of world events, we had to adopt our play style, and we started to notice that we weren't having as much fun. We weren't doing so many crazy things. We were trying to stick to what was literally laid out in front of us. Uh, and it was just hard to do the things that we used to do. So we found out that it was the tools were sometimes getting in the way. They were overly complicated. They were hard to use. There were too many systems. There were too many rule sets. We weren't allowed to break the rules, which is 
one of the funnest parts about tabletop RPGs is actually breaking the rules when it uh, serves the story. We're trying to stay out of the way. We're, we're not backed by any big company. We don't have a bunch of big publishers that are trying to push their content on us. And we're trying to stay kind of system agnostic so that we're not catering to one big game and pushing out some of the smaller games. So homebrew stuff um, and a whole bunch of other different platforms, we're going to make sure that we stay simple enough and out of the way enough so that anybody can put their content on the platform and use it. Tyler and I were talking about it ahead of the podcast, and I, and I feel like what you've adopted is effectively the Unix philosophy of do one thing really well. When I pop in a roll 20, I can roll dice, but I have other systems that help me roll dice and maybe I don't need that. I can chat and the chat's a little clunky because I've kind of got like my dice rolls going or my skills being listed in the same place that I'm chatting. I feel like I can never get the video and the voice to work. And so like in our regular weekly game, we actually use Discord's voice and video chat. And the only thing we're really using Roll24 is the D&D Beyond integration and the map itself. And so taking that to what, uh, what Tabio Sono is going to do, right? When I, when I look at this and I see, what do you want to do? You want to let me build the map. You want to let me import my miniatures. You potentially want to let me bring in like my VP, VTT map if I have a 2D mm-hmm. image. Or I could even bring in 3D terrain, right? That's correct. Yeah, 3D terrain props too. So barrels, barrels of monkeys, barrels and monkeys, whichever. Can I have a barrel like exploding monkeys? Not, I mean, mean, the monkeys are fine, but just multiple coming out at a time. That's really all I want. (laughs) Pressurized monkey cannon in a barrel. Yeah, I I will allow it. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. (laughs) We we have canonically on this podcast established that there are rules for a hydraulic-powered badger cannon within the rules of 5th edition D&D. Love it. So hydraulic monkey cannon, not even a hard stretch. It's, and they're, they're both mammals, right? We're fine. Yes. <laughs> so you, you brought up an interesting point about it's a, it's a philosophy that we use when we're designing products. And it's um, the difference between something being complicated and something being complex. Something that's complicated means there's lots of things that get in the way and you have to work around the system itself. It takes a long time to learn it. There's a huge learning curve. Something that's complex or robust is normally taken to be a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. One of the things that we're trying to do, again, staying out of the way, I'll say out of the way a lot, you'll get annoyed with, um, but one of the things that we're trying to do is when you, when you load into the game for the first time, super easy to pick up because there are only three things that you need to do as a player. We're going to introduce you to those concepts and then back up and go away and let you play the game. As a game master, we're going to show you what you need to do in the bare minimum and then we're going to leave you alone. There are lots of other things to find, and ex- you can explore, and you can find other features. You can look things up, plenty of tutorials and all that jazz. But we're trying to show you what you need to know and then just getting out of the way. So you don't ever have to use any of those crazy features if you don't want to. Yeah, I do say, especially having spent a lot of time in um, Roll20 and other thankfully dead map generating browser things i will say that i was really appreciative of how minimalistic the ui is in the little bits that uh, i saw on the uh, kickstarter which they are currently doing it's great you should go check them out there's you know there's like demonstrations of stuff and while i i definitely understand the complexity behind what you can do and presumably the technical complexity behind what is making that happen as someone just interacting with it, it feels pretty intuitive. And the things that it wants you to do are very easy to do. 
they're very easy to just move the thing, place the thing, and then it's gone. And you're not looking at it again. You don't have, you know, the, like this enormous chat log and all of these player avatars taking up space. So I, I was really appreciative yeah. of that. Yeah, well, I appreciate your appreciation. Thank you. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, our, that's our goal. And uh, so it's, it's nice to hear that. I saw like the first 30 seconds of the Kickstarter originally and... And the comparison made in the video was to like drawing on a physical sheet of paper, which if you've used the, the drawing tools and many other virtual tabletops, they are nightmarish. When I play D&D in person, I use a one inch gridded easel pad. So it's this giant gridded sheet of paper and I can draw all over it and I can draw walls and doors and like battle damage and whatever and just do all those things and it's as easy as using a marker and tabula sono looks like it is as close as you can get to that with a keyboard and a mouse and that is something that i've wanted from a virtual tabletop for like a decade plus so i'm very excited to see this do we have a quick moment for a story time because i'd love to tell you about like the genesis of where all of this came from. So we were uh, we were playing around. Um, me and my wife hand built a really big gaming table in our basement. Nice. Of course, it's got cup holders and USB chargers on it. it of course, it does. Like, who do you think I am? <laughs> so we were we were doing that, and and one day, uh, one of our friends was like, "You should cut a hole in the middle of that thing and plop a TV in it." Uh, and we were like, "Okay." So we cut a hole in the table, we plopped a TV in the middle of it, we put plexiglass over the top, and then we would pull up our maps on the TV, plop the miniatures down, and move them around. And we had whiteboard markers, so if we needed to draw on the board, we could draw over the plexiglass. And that was the Tabula Sono version 0.1. And we started doing that in person, uh, and then we had to go online, and we were like, it's so... All the, all the other tools... Cool, very nice, lots of features, lots of bells and whistles, but just too complicated. We just wanted to get back to throwing miniatures and dice around and having that tactile feel of moving something physically within a space and seeing things, uh, seeing things adapt to that and being able to literally just draw a circle and say, this is a pond, let's move on, rather than, hey, guys, let's take a 15-minute bio break so that I can draw this circle in our tool. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I wanted to say about that, that you kind of touched on earlier. So 3D, a thing that you would not have been able to do on version 0.1 that is very interesting here, and particularly when you compare it to, you know, sort of the Roll20 and other really big names, ease of creating multiple layers of like a building and then having things move between them. That is... Boy, if you listened to us talk at length about how denoting flying on miniatures is terrible <laughs> in virtual tabletops, here you go. There's your fix. Yep. And I I am grateful that, that we're getting more options for that because there aren't a lot in the big names right now. We actually have a, uh, a campaign that we're running right now where one of the NPCs is a mole person, and he likes to burrow. And that is a use case that a lot of people never think about. Like, what if I actually want to take my mini and sink him into the ground just a little bit? So we made it so that you can do that. <laughs> I mean, how many dragons have burrow speed, right? That's right. Absolutely something they should take advantage. Yeah, how do you visualize that? Uh, answer, you don't, I guess. Um, but yeah, now you can. So That's awesome. So you talked about running 
tabletop RPGs in Tabula Sono, and I, I've been poring over the Kickstarter materials and other other promotional stuff that you guys have done. I think I saw it mentioned somewhere that people are using this to play Warhammer as well. Yep. If I wanted to turn off the grid or if I just didn't want miniatures to snap to a grid, could I play a game that didn't use a grid? Yes, absolutely. Yeah? We have three options for grids right now. We have square grids, no grid, and we just unlocked a stretch goal in Kickstarter the other day that unlocks hex grids as well. That means games like uh, Lancer, really the, an up-and-coming one right now that a lot of people are like, I really need hex grids. Um, it's an option. But yeah, if you want to turn the thing off and just move things around freeform or things like that, we, we also have a, a measurement tool. I don't think that's in any of our material right now, but nice. you can essentially set a scale. And then you can measure because in in war games and things like that, if you don't have a grid, measuring things becomes crazy important for the rule set. Uh, so there is a measuring tool in there. But in in a lot of our games, we actually don't snap to the grid. It's an option, and it's on by default. I'm actually contemplating turning it off by default because what it does is it allows you to take your character and when you're speaking, slightly wiggle it. <laughs> Or slightly rotated, and it and it gives it kind of like a life. It's very it's very obvious who's speaking and who's talking inside the scene. Um, you can also slowly back away, like Homer into the bushes. Um, so there are just there's different things that you can do, and it's all in real time, so everybody can see you doing these really slight motion and movements on your miniatures, so you can use that to your advantage. Oh, I really want to see people uh, deep faking the miniatures to actually get like. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth is moving when I'm giving a speech. Sorry. We do have a plug-in system that we can talk about later. Okay, good. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's a good use case for that. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a few things that I think are worth hitting. So we have mentioned the Kickstarter, but let's put it out up front. What's happening in the Kickstarter right now? What are your goals? What can people get if they hop in? Yeah, so we, uh, we launched Kickstarter in February, and it's going to go through March 15th. We were funded within the first two hours, so we're just working on stretch goals right now. Backers, every single tier of backer gets some level of early access, so everyone, not just the top tiers or anything like that. And then we also have, uh, there's a Kickstarter exclusive content pack that, again, everybody gets. We're never going to put those assets anywhere else. We had them professionally modeled just for us, so if you see them somewhere else, uh, they're a ripoff, but we're going to uh, we're going to give those to all of the all of the backers as well, and then we just add on things. We we're a free a free tool, but we do have to keep the lights on. So we have a subscription model that gives you access to uh, unlock some of the freer features, and for more power power users and things like that, uh, you'll get a lot of use out of that. Most of the tiers also come with one, three, six, twelve month subscriptions. And some of the uh, top tiers come with lifetime subscriptions, uh, which is crazy. The dollar amount of that is is actually dependent on how long you live. So that's a variable <laughs> amount. Okay. So are you a betting person? That's really the question we're asking <laughs> exactly. here. Yeah. yeah. How much that one is worth is up to you. Yeah. <laughs> the first Kickstarter to feature actuarial tables. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm so happy, to, happy to wear that badge. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned asset packs as the as part of the Kickstarter rewards. Uh, what are in the asset packs? Props mostly. We have a free library of miniatures that we've licensed from quite a few different artists. And I don't honestly don't know if I can say the name, but if you are a person that has 3D printed miniatures for use in Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or any fantasy type game. 
you will probably recognize a lot of the miniatures that we have in our library, but a lot of those are, are specifically miniatures. It's actually pretty hard to find good prop or terrain content to license online. So we're putting that those prop and terrain items are in the Kickstarter exclusive content pack. And then there's also a boss pack where we have some, some really uh, high detail modeled specifically for our virtual tabletop. And we are going to be, as soon as the Kickstarter releases, we will release three different backstories for each of those bosses to kind of get juices flowing and, and show that they can be versatile and, and things like that. Yeah, mostly uh, in the prop packs for, for the Kickstarter, it is some really cool bosses and then a whole bunch of props. Awesome. And we will put a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. So if you're listening to this right now and you want to take a look, uh, pop open your app, look at it. You can click through and you can take a look at this. So you talked about at, at its core, it, it is going to be a free tool and folks will be able to use it for free without paying a subscription service, without paying a one-time fee. You even talked about how easy it's going to be, right? Uh, your DM or whoever else is playing is going to send you a link. You click and you're in. So at the free tier, what are folks going to be able to get? Okay, so at a, at a free tier as a player, you can play in unlimited games. We're not going to ever limit that. You have access to the entire free library. I believe at launch it's going to be 1,200 miniature characters, about three or 400 props. Um, if you're playing a fantasy, sci-fi, modern, or horror-based game, you're good. Um, that's all in the free library. No, that, that's pretty awesome. And I DM'd a homebrew game in Roll20 recently, and I swear I spent more time looking for pictures on the internet to then bring them into like Microsoft Paint 3D to transparency the background so that I could have Woodhouse from Archer serving drinks to George Clooney for for the 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 session than I did actually writing the story. And I feel like it showed. <laughs> the miniatures were wonderful. Yeah. There were there were a lot of jokes. Like that was I, I think if nothing else good happened in that game, there there was something funny every time we hopped in. But I say this to say like being able to come in and say, when I want to find a ranger, I have all you know, fifty different miniatures to choose from for my particular ranger to have here. That sounds amazing. Let me toot my own horn just real quick here. Um, but my entire team, we've been building e-commerce platforms and search engines and all kinds of crazy things for a long time. So you better believe that if you are looking for something, you can type a couple search terms and you'll be able to find it. Uh, if you type frog, frogs will be at the top, not six pages down. <laughs> oh, good. That's also so, nice. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that's brilliant. Maybe just search for corgis because we have several of those oh wonderful we have a battle corgi we have a pixie riding a battle corgi etc so there you go i think <laughs> so we always talk about tyler's uh, uh anti-affinity for spiders uh, yeah uh, i believe it is true that tyler also loves corgis i do enjoy a good corgi hmm. <laughs> um so so this has been talked about on the kickstarter but let's say i have invested in a 3D model of my own miniature, and I come to Tabula Sono, and I want to use my miniature because I can't find anything that feels quite right. Well, what do I do with that? You click the plus import button at the top right-hand corner of the screen. You give it the 3D model, and then it plops down onto the board. And I mean plop. There's a cute little animation where it actually just falls <laughs> from the sky. And that's it. We've been spending a lot of time on our importer. There are so many different types of 3D assets out there. Um, most of them are sideways. 
if you're a 3D modeler or an animator, you know what I mean. Is the y-axis up or is the z-axis up? Um, that is a, like a long, long-lived battle. We will figure that out for you when you import the model. Z is out of the camera. That's the rule. That's that's the rule. Unless you're in Blender. Oh, uh -huh. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll translate those for you and and figure those things out. As well as there's a there's some floaty things that happen on top. So we'll figure out where the center is and the top is, and do all the hard work. If the model is coming in and it's too complex to be able to run in the browser, we will lower the quality and we'll smooth out some of the edges and do our best to merge some of the pieces of it so that we can get it still running on that old work laptop that you've been playing games on. I won't tell your boss, but uh, take it with <laughs> you so you can play Tabula Sono on the road. And then, yeah, this, it's going to be the same thing for... 2D maps as well. Um, I don't know if we if we talked about that as well. I think Randall, you you um, were mentioning it earlier, but the the idea there is there's a lot of really cool map makers out there that generate 2D maps for you. So take those maps, pull them in, throw your minis on top of them. Uh, same rules there. If it's uh, if it's too like too super crazy high quality and it's going to slow people's computers down, we will downsample it before we put it in the world to make sure that everybody can see it and everything will stay snappy and responsive okay i have to throw you a curveball and for this i apologize bring it i have had the experience several times of i have an image of a, of a map that i want to use for combat and somebody already put a combat grid on it mm. and then i bring it into roll 20 uh rectifying that combat grid with roll 20's combat grid just can't happen they're incompatible and i don't know why have, have you had that experience you are, uh, this is not a curveball because I was actually working on that product or that problem this morning. No joke. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. a, a lot of maps will come in with a 1-1 aspect ratio, which means it's just as wide as it is tall. But a lot of them from different things are made for print and they'll come in in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. So when you pull it in on a screen, the squares are actually not squares. They come in as slightly rectangular and that doesn't, that's never going to line up with, with actual squares on the screen. So Paul and I, uh, one of the other developers, we were working on a system that would actually look at the grid, try and figure out if it's square or not, and then try and automatically change it for you. And if we get it wrong, or if it didn't notice it, then you can always uh, manually squish. And it's a very fine-toothed comb, so you can get it really specific get those things to line up. And then if all else fails, just pull in your map and turn off the grid. Use the, the grid that was already in the map. Because we do have free motion, so we can just move from cell to cell. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, that makes great sense. Obviously, you know, if you have models for things like terrain, you'd be able to import those. But if you had like an entire 3D map, would it be able to parse that um, and, and try and turn it into like a multi-story building, for instance? Yes. That one will take a little bit of time on the import because there's a lot of things that we're doing, but there's a really nice animation there. Um, maybe we'll add a Corgi to it, but the, uh, <laughs> it's definitely well worth the wait. We've, we've pulled in some pretty crazy things, uh, and we're actually working on some partnerships with some other software platforms that do things like that already, but they just export it as 2D. And you don't get that nice depth and things like that. So we're working, we're working with a couple people on some things like that to pull those in. And that's going to be pretty cool. But yeah, you can, you can pull in pretty much whatever you want. We'll do our best to, to pull it in and make it work in the system. So I was very explicitly thinking about 
Dungeon Alchemist, uh, mm. which is another Kickstarter product that I have just played around with and had immense fun. I mean, you know, just like building uh, an, an inn in an hour and, you know, a bunch of hidden secrets and props and stuff. It would do its best to try and figure out like all of the props that I had placed and, and try and put those based on stuff that you had in your assets. That sounds amazing. We already support 2D uh, from Dungeon Alchemy and Dungeon Alchemist and Map Maker. Dungeon Map Maker is another one that's on Kickstarter right now. I think they just finished um, and a whole bunch of other ones. We already support the 2D, but like I said, we're asking around and working on on a couple partnerships to pull in those 3D ones, which uh, I don't know. That'll make my day for sure. Oh, yeah. So talking about the importing terrain so the right, digital elevation models exist, um, in particular, like the GeoTIFF format is something where, like the entire state of Virginia, you can actually go download, I think at like one meter spacing, the exact representation of the terrain of the entire state. Mm-hmm. So I'm now imagining taking Tabula Sono, and I'm going to march my party through the Shenandoah, <laughs> and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Maybe we have to chop those in a bite-sized chunk, so. No, that's, Maybe, that's we'll actually, see. Yeah, that's really cool. That raises a good question. Uh, how much can you fit into a single map? Like if I'm, if I've got a map of Virginia, or if I want to play Warhammer and I I'm Tyranids, I've got a hundred Zerglings. Uh, I'm mixing up my games, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I actually don't. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, keep going. Keep going. Um, I've got I've got Gaunts. I've got hundreds of Gaunts. I'm fighting Guard. They've got hundreds of conscripts, and we're gonna mash them together and throw dice at each other. Like, can I fit all those guys on a screen? Yes. Uh, so we're using a common a common thing in the in the game industry called instancing. So if you have a whole bunch of things that are the same thing, there's a trick that you can do with your computer and your graphics card to make it think that they're all the same. So it essentially, if you have one or 10,000 guards, it's the same thing as having one guard. Again, we're, we're trying to keep things simple and easy to use, and one of those ways is, is by using some of those tricks and some of those almost hacks to make it so that you can do things like that. If you have 1,000 individual guards that are all each individual models, first of all, I'm very proud of you. That's a, <laughs> that is quite an accomplishment. Um, but that you might start to run into some performance issues in the browser there, which uh, maybe I can speak to uh, next next year's plan. Actually, we'll come back to that. There's okay. a there's a plan for that for next year, so we'll come back to that. Okay. All right. <laughs> a tangent to that would be okay, but what about the space to fit ten thousand guards? Like, so you know, if, if they're on a one inch base, like, am I going to have a a map that I need to scroll for three hours to get to the other side of? That's a good question. We have a huge map. So every scene, you can have multiple scenes, so you can switch between scenes in the game. But every scene has, I believe it is 1,200 squares by 1,200 squares. If you, uh, if you want to get out to the edge of that, when you're moving, if you hold down shift, just like in like other games, you'll sprint. So you can move a lot faster. Without, before we put that in, uh, Ray, our designer, I think she spent like an hour and a half one day and was like, I did it, guys, I did it. <laughs> like, you did what? I got to the edge of the world. <laughs> Screenshots came, you know, started pouring in. Uh, so it's huge. And, uh, and you can get around if you need to. That's like two and a half by two and a half kilometers ballpark, if you're assuming five meter squares, right? That's yes. ridiculous. Wow. It's, it's silly. Uh, and you're probably not going to be able to use all of it. Uh, and yes, that is a challenge. <laughs> okay, we're going to model Virginia, apparently. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> Just a nice, pretty valley, that's all. 
Uh, awesome. So let's talk about the team. Who who is Tableau Sono? Yeah. So we are small, tight knit. We all have uh, agency development, product development backgrounds. So. We've been around the block a bunch of different ways. We know a bunch of different good ways to do things and even more horrible ways to do things. We're also very in tune to the business sides of running a product, what it means to be a free product. Just spoiler alert, free products still cost money um, to run and to build and to maintain. Uh, so there's a lot of economics that go with that. So that's our team was, um, we're basically a, a full stop product development team. Uh, we have all the disciplines covered. And we were we had an opportunity to cash out of something and take some of that money and reinvest it into ourselves. So we decided we could either buy a big boat and disappear for a couple months, or we could build this thing that we've been talking about for two years now. Wait, how big of a boat did you get? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 1,200 squares to a side. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> how many, how many squares vessel. is your boat? <laughs> the, the vessel of the imagination. That's right. We, we decided to embark on the, on the vessel of imagination. <laughs> so, so we're a small team. We've got four total people, but it's actually six different people. Two of those people are half-time. So I think that math works out. Uh, but three full-time de dedicated uh, and then we've got a bunch of halftime people to make us up into four or five. Um, and then we've also got contractors that are working on licensed assets and art packs and things like that. But the core team is we're pretty small. We're trying to keep it that way so that we can stay in tune with the users. And we're in Discord all the time. It's not like the please don't talk to us in our own Discord type situation. We like to be responsive and we like to hear what people think and we like to take that into account because, again, we're not being run by the big companies or the big publishers. We're being run by the people that use the platform. That's actually a great point to get to. Um, I feel like we haven't nailed down a timeline yet. Uh, so I see when I look at the Kickstarter, Kickstarter, uh, everything kind of has an August 2022 date. Yeah, no, I said it. Uh, an August 2022 date. Some of the features will give you early access. I think it says you'll get 30 days ahead of time. Some of the features, I think, says as far as like 45 to 90 days. So, yeah, what are the timelines as we look to the summer? We are going to start beta on May the 4th. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Solid. No, it uh, so we're, um, we, we were doing the math, and we were like, uh, May 3rd. No, 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 no. We're doing this on May the 4th. Yeah. Uh, so beta will start on May the 4th, and that is invite only or um, some of the top-tier backers. And then... 30 days after that, we've got early access one. 30 days after that, we've got early access two. And then on August 1, 2022 is our target launch. Okay. We put August 2022 in the Kickstarter to give us an additional 30 days should we need it. Uh, but we're pretty confident in our date as of right now. So it's looking like August 1, 2022 is the free launch to the public. And then early access will come before that. The second early access is also not for not just for Kickstarter backers. We'll also do some pre-order stuff when it gets closer. So if people miss the Kickstarter, that's okay. You can still get in beforehand. Okay, awesome. And so you talk about a Discord channel. Uh, we will put a link to the Discord channel in the show notes. It, it, it is open to the public. I mean, you made it seem this way, right? It is, yes. Okay, fantastic. So we'll put a link if people want to hop in and start poking around, get involved in the Kickstarter. And then, yeah, you could be beta testing this thing in, is that two and a half months? Is that where we're at? 
Two and a half months. Yeah. How does that make you feel? People are going to be beta testing your product in two and a half months. Makes me feel great. We have a uh, an alpha test going on right now. So I'm not too nervous about beta coming up, but we were talking about like how much stuff is too much stuff. We have a stress test coming up March 1st. I think we might even live stream it, but we're going to do a battle royale where we just start throwing players at a big, bad, evil, bad guy. We'll, we'll do like some custom respawn rules. So when, when you die, you don't need to roll a death save. Just like go back 50 meters that way and good luck. We'll see you in a couple rounds. Uh, so we're, we're just going to go at it and see, see what it takes to crash our alpha servers so that we can figure out what we need to do for beta servers and production servers. But yeah, so I'm not, I'm not too nervous about right now. I, I think it's going to go pretty well. Swimmingly, you might say. I might say that. Okay, we're going to get in the weeds for a second because you said something that's really interesting to me. I've imagined the way that you've talked about drawing in the browser that I'm more likely to kill my machine because Chrome is hungry than I am to kill your server. But it sounds like that's actually not the case. You've got actually a pretty good system working that... Yeah, so we're, we're instancing, we're pulling, we're pulling in um, different types of lower memory use materials we're taking into account uh, depth of field, so things that are behind you or too far away, we're not rendering those on screen. So we're doing a lot of optimization things to keep Chrome and Firefox and even Edge happy, um, and Safari too. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're pretty confident about our ability to be able to run those, so we're, we're focusing our testing now on the back-end side of things to see what we can do to, to break that bad boy. I, I love that you brought Edge into this. It's like, Edge, <laughs> were you looking for Chrome? <laughs> right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm actually having this call in, Edge. What, Brent? I can't hear you, Random. What? <laughs> I, I saw a coworker running Edge on a Mac the other day. What? Why? Yep. What went wrong with that person's life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, um, so uh, we'll never be sponsored by Microsoft. <laughs> not after this. The, um, so just there was a uh, an e-commerce site that I I went to a couple years ago. They actually had an Internet Explorer tax on it. So if you were checking out in Internet Explorer, they would charge you seven percent extra because that's how much <laughs> development time they had to devote to getting it running in Internet Explorer. Anyways, right. moving on. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. And also, uh, here's a fun segue off that. Speaking of buying things, so if people want to import their miniatures, not just for their own, but let's say, you know, someone is a real good Blender artist and they want to be like, oh, yes, I did build this this building. Or maybe I spent 100 hours in uh, Dungeon Alchemist and built a whole campaign's worth of 3D maps. Can I generally? Um, so star star asterisk asterisk. We <laughs> are launching a creator marketplace Q1 or Q2 of 2023. And the idea behind that is we already have tons of free assets. You can go in and if you happen to have your own assets, you can import them. A bunch of nerds like me definitely have their own 3D assets, but a lot of normal people don't. Or like nerd light nerds, nerd light. They might not have 10,000 3D printer files laying around that they can pull in. For those types, there are a lot of people out there that are really talented creators, and they are building things just for their one group and their one team, and that almost seems like a waste of their talent. Like, how can we, how can we help them get their stuff out? Um, so we're going we're gonna to build that marketplace, and the idea is, as a creator, you can upload things into the marketplace, if you have the rights to use them, which is what the star star asterisk is, 
And then when you sell those things on the marketplace, you will get a, no, you won't get a cut. We will get a cut. Um, so there's, there's this like 50-50 rule, 70-30 rule. It's heavily weighted in favor of the artist on this one. So we're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to buy that yacht anymore. That's, uh, that's off the table now. So yeah, so we're, we're heavily leaning towards the creator. But in the, in the marketplace, we will have a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, miniatures from a whole bunch of different genres, like character miniatures, uh, props. We're actually going to be adding particle effects soonish, fog emitters, uh, so that you can make the, make the spoopy come out uh, occasionally. <laughs> and then, yeah, if you have pre-built maps that you've made and have rights to them, then you can put them in there and, and we can sell them on your behalf and take a cut of that. And then also tons and tons of plugins. I don't know that we've talked about the dev kit yet. It's actually not something that we are uh, advertising very heavily right now, but it's something that we're getting really deep into in our Discord right now. If you're a developer and you're into this kind of thing and you want to see how you could extend Tabula Sono in the future, uh, we have a dev corner in Discord where we just pop into it. So, All right. What are the language APIs? Yeah. So <laughs> it's all in browser. Right now, it is all JavaScript. We're pulling in JavaScript. We have plans. And right now, we're doing a bunch of surveys to see if it's going to be worth it to make a Lua interpreter and a Python interpreter to pull on top of that. Um, so those are things that we're looking into. No promises. Hashtag no promises. So we'll get we'll get into that. But if anybody has a strong opinion on that, pop on into the Discord and let's talk. But the idea behind those plugins is we don't want to be tied down to one specific RPG or one specific system. We want to spend our time building the platform itself. And there are tons of people out there. They have the capability and they have the time and attention and the skills to be able to write a module in this plugin system and then use it in their own games and then share it with other people so they don't have to rewrite it. Again, same thing with the creator marketplace, Starstar Asterisk, you have to have access to and you have to have rights to distribute that content. But if you do, then that's all for it. And we are, the first, uh, the first plugin that we are going to write as an example is actually integrating with Google Sheets and pulling in information from Google Sheets into the campaign. Sounds weird, but there's a lot of different applications for that. Uh, we're also going to build a dice roller in our plugin system that will go into the chat window, uh, just again as an example. And then we also have a, um, some of our alpha people got really creative. We had a guy that made a maze generator that would draw a maze. There was an option for that maze generator that would allow it to be non-completable. So that was fun. Uh, we had a we had a good time testing that. He didn't tell us about that. So we're like, wait a second, where's the exit? <laughs> there isn't one. Yeah. And then all kinds of other really cool stuff like that. Uh, so not just not just things that are like specific to content and systems, but also things that are just like drawing tools. So random room generators, random encounter generators, like put in your challenge rating and it'll plot minis on the board for you. So all kinds of things like that. And that's going to be a huge focus for us in 2023 is to keep that going. We don't ever want to be a closed system. We want to be open and accessible so that people don't have to wait on us for those like huge uh, releases and all of those things. We've got to go through the whole process. 
Um, but if you just want to bang something out on Saturday and then play with it on Sunday, like, go ahead, just write it and do it. It's okay. We love you. Nice. No, that sounds pretty exciting. I, I think one more thing that we, we kind of glossed over as we were going through everything, I want to take a step back to the subscriptions. Do you have an idea what the pricing model is going to be on the subscriptions? Yes, absolutely. So between 8 and $9, I know that's a very small range slash very specific range, uh, but we're doing a lot of testing on that right now. So it will be between $8 and zero cents and $8 and 99 cents. The reason for that is we want to make it approachable again. So we don't want to be the most expensive thing on the market, but we also don't want to sell ourselves short from the value that we're providing. So we're trying to strike that balance and we're, we're using a lot of user feedback and input to find that balance rather than just taking a stab at it. So that's why we haven't decided yet as we're still working through that. But that, uh, that subscription gets you access to a lot of things that are more based on limits. So as a free player, you can pull in your miniature. If you go on Hero Forge or Titancraft or Desktop Heroes and you custom build your own miniature, you can import that as your player. You don't have to send it to your DM, your welcome DMs, and ask them to import it. The player can do it. So you can import that and you can have one of those. You can lift that restriction by getting a subscription or buying anything ever in the marketplace. That limit then goes up to 10. Or if you are a subscriber, it is unlimited star star, the same way <laughs> that, your, um, that your Verizon is unlimited. Yeah, unlimited isn't actually a challenge. Yes, yeah, so that's unlimited yeah. within reason. <laughs> uh, and same thing for the, the 2D imports. There's a, there's a limit on those that's released. So our thresholds for those are if you're a casual player and a, and a, or a casual DM that has one group or maybe two groups, you don't have to pay us anything. If you're a power player that's in seven campaigns, again, I'm very proud of you if that's the case, uh, or a power DM that's either doing this professionally or has lots of different groups and likes to really get into it with lots of custom content, then those are the people that we're catering the subscriptions for. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Cool. And, and so to, to step back into the roadmap, I feel like you had something you were teasing at earlier. So you've already talked about in 2023, we're going to create the creator marketplace. Folks will be able to hop in, start contributing both you know, either 3D artifacts that they generate, terrain that they generate, or even it sounds like the plugin engine is actually going to be a really exciting opportunity, not just to, right, to actually grow the system. You know, if you come up with a cool module, this might be something that everybody coming into Tabula Sono is actually taking advantage of. Uh, what else is on the roadmap? We have a couple of the different things planned. One very interesting thing about my team is we are all musicians. Uh, that's very weird, and it's very it's very uh, interesting that that kind of just all came together. Um, but we all have musicians. I actually have a bachelor's degree in musical theater. And here I am. Um, <laughs> so that worked, I guess. But we all, we all have like classical training, lots of theory. We have a couple composers. So we're going to be doing some stuff that has to do with music, that has to do with music for people that know music as well as people that don't know music. You don't have to worry about your DM going into Spotify and clicking the pause button at just the wrong time where you're like, oh my goodness, finish the phrase, please. <laughs> we take care of key signatures and time signatures and all of those things. Uh, so soundboard for automatic music generation. That's our, uh, not our end game, but that's one of the big like passion projects that we've got going on. Yeah. Um, that one is going to come out in small increments. I have to tell you though, that actually really excites me. Even if you put that through another beta cycle, it would still be like an amazing thing. I spent the, the same time that I was, you know, 
carving out pictures of famous politicians, I was also hunting down just the right mood music to have in our particular campaign. And it was like, yeah, it was a pain, like trying to find like, okay, you know, I wanted this to be like mysterious and spooky. It also feel like a disco and that's hard to find. It is. It's also hard to find like more ambient music because all the, all the things that you probably landed on was a movie soundtrack or a game soundtrack. And those have points of excitement. It's already pre-built into the sound to the song where it's going to get exciting. So as a DM, if you're if things are like lulling when the music is getting exciting or backwards, it's like watching a movie to the wrong soundtrack. It's just going to be weird. <laughs> we want to try and get that cognitive dissonance out of the way and allow the DM to super easily control the mood with things that we already have, like visual things like the lighting. Uh, you can change the wall colors and the floor colors and all the things, but also give them that other sense, uh, sensory input that helps a lot. Uh, and that's something that we do in person all the time. I actually have a soundboard and a mixer where we'll like mix between things and whatever. So making something like that that's a lot easier and mimicking the in-person experience that we had again. That's what we're going for. We're also working on partnerships, like I said, uh, for next year with a bunch of other tools we're not looking at everybody as competitors. Uh, we're looking at everybody else in the spaces. Everybody has something to offer to the community. So how can we work together on those things? Some people don't agree with us on that approach, and that's fine, but a lot of people do. So we're working with a lot of people to figure out how we can all work together and make our products work for the good of the community, for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, Jim Powell, thank you very much for being with us tonight. You bet. I, uh, it's really good to be here, and it's really nice to uh, talk to like-minded people that um, also enjoy corgis and battle music. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're listening, though, if you, if you would, uh, go check out our Kickstarter, Tabula Sono. Uh, search for it in Kickstarter, T-A-B-U-L-A-S-O-N-O. And then also uh, come to our website, tabulasono.com. Pop into the Discord, any of our social channels. We have social stretch goals on our Kickstarter. So we're trying to get to certain follower accounts that will unlock things. Uh, so not just like funding goals. So help uh, help get the word out. Check it out. If you have any feedback or input, uh, pop into the Discord. And just overall, just come say hi. I like people. I like friends. Come be my friend. Awesome. All right. Come be Jim's friend. Yeah, we'll have <laughs> links in the show notes to the Kickstarter, the Tabula Sona website, to the Discord channel as well. And yeah, absolutely check it out. Jim, thanks for being with us, and uh, you at home, thanks too. Um, so now's the part where we can hang out and be friendly. We can't leave, because if we leave, we risk everything. The trolls are going to come out. <laughs> <laughs>